0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsel's in Discussion, where we analyze pop culture from a funny, feminist, and sometimes very foul mouthed perspective. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the season premiere of Mad Men How Long Have We Been Waiting for This? and also Game of Thrones. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn,
1: Brandy Sperry in Los Angeles,
2: and I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland.
1: Okay, so we open with Don and Megan in Hawaiian Paradise, Hawaiian Photoshopped Paradise with a lot fewer hotels than we've seen it these days. Uh, And I think besides his voiceover, it's like five, at least five minutes before Don actually speaks out loud, which is kind of heavy handed for me. Like he's just observing everything.
0: The the first words he he says is army. Yeah. Has to be on purpose because everything is.
1: Yeah, I
2: really enjoyed the conversation with the soldier at the bar. And I I loved that when the soldier says, you know, someday I'll be the veteran who can't sleep, who's sitting at the bar talking to strangers. And it just encapsulated him so perfectly.
1: And then Don ends up with his lighter, which was another sort of nice bit of symbolism, like uh, his past identity sort of clinging to him, no matter how much he tries to get rid of it.
0: We don't know what happened that he got his lighter. That's this sort of mysterious thing. Freudian. Who knows?
1: Accidentally swapped or if there was something more symbolic there. He seemed surprised about it, but a little freaked out. So I don't know if we're going to get more there, but um, I thought it was an effective way to open things and then ease us back into New York a little bit.
2: Right, and the contrast of how warm it is there and how cold and abrasive it is in New York at the time. Mm -hmm, Um, Yeah. I do have to say I really enjoy that this show uses symbolism, I feel like, and effectively uses symbolism. And, you know, we've seen objects come back year after year, like the coat that um, Joan was wearing when she uh, had to sleep with the jaguar guy was the coat that Roger had given her. And all these beautiful symbolism throughout the the episodes has been great
0: what do we make of all the pot smoking is it just a sign (laughs) of the times
1: it might be and it might also be just a little bit more about like Don being out of touch with his staff you know and but it it seems odd to me that joan wouldn't just be like we're not doing that in here (laughs) or something like that right it, it, is a, it is a little heavy handed. I also like the symbolism, but sometimes on these first episodes of the season, especially it these points that are like, we're back in this land of symbolism in the 60s. And here's what you, all the clues to what year you're in, but we're not actually going to say it. It's a little heavy handed, but it's it's also kind of a fun puzzle to figure out. So I guess I'm not really complaining. I'm just commenting.
0: We should also talk oh. about all the hair, all the extra hair. Everywhere. Oh, my God.
1: Like, every <laughs> man is 15% less sexy now that he has sideburns. It's <laughs> a scientific <laughs> fact.
0: <laughs> sideburns and that weird hair combed over the forehead.
1: They're and... all wearing these big sweaters. Like, <laughs> ugh.
0: Oh, and, and well, Stan's beard. I mean, that's
2: a work of art. Stan's Stan can beard. pull it off. Stan can man, pull it off. he's turning into Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Looking crazy right now. We've
0: got Stan's beard. We've got um, Ginsberg's mustache. I didn't even oh, recognize him. Abe has all kinds of random facial hair.
2: Right. And Harry Crane. Oh, good Lord. The Harry worst. Crane. He's, he's always inf- unfortunate looking, though. He's always just a little bit off on the trends. Well, he spends a lot of time in California, so. Right. Which is <laughs> so hip and cool. So. <laughs> I'm told. Uh, But didn't Dawn smoke pot with Megan? She brought those two joints in. Yeah. I mean, she's totally his perfect woman. She's sexually adventurous, beautiful, charming, smokes pot. You know, I don't know why he's cheating on her
1: again. It's just.
0: Now he's cheating with Lindsay Weir from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Which is
2: awesome.
1: (laughs) It is awesome. In that weird edited scene at the beginning she pops up for like a second and then they don't show her again. And everyone we were watching with, I was like, that was Linda Cardellini because Lindsay <laughs> yeah. Weir is like my favorite character of all time. To which Shannon was like, that's because you are Lindsay Weir. Holy <laughs> like, totally true.
0: I was so excited to see Linda Cardellini. I can't tell you. That was so fantastic. Completely different from like Alexis Bledel who I was like, oh yeah, she was in the Gilmore Girls, right? Who cares? Yeah. This, I was so excited. <laughs> fantastic.
2: Well, I thought it would be a more interesting storyline instead of Don cheating again, if him and Megan became swingers, which I thought kind of might have had was gonna start happening over that fondue pot mm-hmm. at their house. Mm-hmm. But no, he's just cheating again. And how did Megan not notice that he was gone for so long? She's
1: that was really weird she knows him.
0: Yeah, that was weird. I was wondering that too. It didn't make any sense unless she thought, "Oh, they're trying to get a cab for Doctor Rosen, and it's a big storm, so it's taking a long time."
1: I don't know. Like two hours? I mean,
2: <laughs> he looks after pretty the loungy. Room, and...
1: Conveniently goes home. But... Yeah, he didn't even put his clothes back on before he walked into the apartment.
2: No, he wasn't trying. He is not trying to keep it a secret. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. But yeah. I know that you are not a Megan fan, Therese, but I actually am a Megan fan. And I was kind of like, especially this episode, it's like her career is taking off. You know, she's just I don't know. She's at the peak of Megan and I think she's doing great. And it's a bummer that Dawn's just going to pull the same old shit with her.
0: Well, but is Megan going to react the same way as Betty did? No,
2: but I still think she deserves better.
1: Megan is going to react fatal attraction if she, she finds out about this.
2: Right. We'll have that fight scene from faraway places again. Where they were chasing yes. each other
1: through the apartment. <laughs> yeah, but worse. Seriously, with weapons, I'm telling you. I think
0: ya. fondue fork, definitely. Yes, <laughs> with a yes. weapons.
1: Okay, well, so, yeah, I hope they do something different with Don's cheating this time. He seems sick of it, too. He literally says he's sick of it, so... Maybe we're not going to retread too much, hopefully. Yeah. But we should talk about how Peggy seems like she's kind of turning into Don.
2: I loved watching Peggy this episode, and I I love that one of the recaps on the TV club on Slate titled it Peggy Leans In. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) There were several lean-in references to Peggy. (laughs) It was great. It's awesome, (laughs) and I love seeing her in her position of power, kicking butt, taking names. Yeah, definitely there was certain lines she said that were just, like, coming from Dawn's mouth into her mouth, you know? Yeah, yeah, with
1: the underlings and everything. But that meeting with the client, I was just thinking back to last season when she lost her shit over the beans, and I was like, well, now that she has gone away from that toxic place, she can handle this, you know? Right.
0: And I also loved her phone calls trying to reach Ted
2: Shaw. Cha. Oh, my God. That was my favorite part of the whole episode. Brilliant. So it was so funny. Because we didn't hear the other side, right? It was just no. Buggy. It was so great. It was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted. Right. And I with you. <laughs> <It> was you. <funny. laughs> <laughs> and then at the end when Pe-
0: Ted shows up, there was quite a setup to building up to Ted actually, like, showing up I felt because when I saw him I was like ah Ted is here you know and yeah he seemed very charming and flirty and kind of twinkle in his eye was it just me that
1: thought yeah did no, he I- get
0: better looking
1: yeah I I've know. always liked Ted I mean he was wearing like a tux or something right so then again scientifically 10% hotter <laughs> yeah <laughs> scientifically <laughs> He's always had that little twinkle in his eye, and he's always been so legitimately intrigued by Peggy, rather than just interested in what she can do. Yeah, which I feel like is a difference between him and Don. And um, Shannon has written in our notes here: Ted and Peggy are totally going to bone down. But <laughs> my money down means. now,
2: they're totally going to bone down. I just a I just don't I don't think he's gonna last. I haven't thought he was gonna last for a long time. I was surprised to see they were still together.
1: Just a starter husband.
2: <laughs> right. Or boyfriend, live-in, right.
0: shack-up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the thing with Ted that's interesting to me is that until this season, we've really only seen him through Don's eyes. Right. Um, and we've been predisposed to kind of dislike him because he was, you know, being a jerk to Don. And, and, and now we see him through Peggy's eyes, and he looks very different, I think. He's very supportive and sweet and... Has confidence in her and totally not an asshole. Totally agree. Yeah. So it's nice. But can we talk about my absolute favorite scene of the episode when Peggy and Stan are on the phone?
2: Adorable. Eve? They're Cutest both pals ever.
0: Ugh. They're like besties. They're like both working New Year's Eve and they're on the phone. It was so adorable. And then at the end, Stan is still on the phone. I don't remember what his line was. It was hilarious though.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, I don't remember. But it was the whole effect was very, very pleasing. All of Peggy's storyline was very pleasing this episode, which I was relieved about, except for her dress. That was the only thing. She needs to wear some color.
0: I like the green buttons on the blue suit. That was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading Tom and Lorenzo's fashion recap, which comes out tomorrow. So I think they're going to be posting on Wednesdays from now on. And it's so fascinating what they analyze about the fashion. So I can't wait. I love Mad
0: Style. It's so great. We'll we'll post it to our blog, for sure. Yes.
1: It'll already be posted by the time this airs.
2: Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so the other main woman that was the focus of this episode was Betty. And most people I know are not big Betty fans, but I, I like Betty. I'm intrigued by her. I kind of missed her last season, so I was happy to spend some time with her albeit it was pretty twisted time. Who who is
0: Sandy? I was watching it with my usual madman buddy, Kristen, and she was all over the internet going, who's the girl with the violin? Who is this looking for somebody that had any idea and we couldn't find anything?
1: I've decided that I think it must be intentionally ambiguous because, yeah, our entire room was being like, trying to rack our brains over whether Henry had some daughter who was away at boarding school. And then we're like, it must be Sally's friend, but then Sally didn't seem to give a shit. And now I'm like, is this supposed to be some like ghost of Betty's past or something? (laughs) 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 Wow. Obviously we're never going to see her again, given that ending with again, the symbolism of leaving the violin behind, you know, Betty can't take it home. If she's not going to look for her anymore, she's never going to tell anyone the truth about what happened. So she could like end she, up
2: as one of Don's girlfriends when he goes on a trip to California. Oh so. God. Yeah, that whole thing is really strange for this girl to appear and
0: then disappear. And, uh, and we don't know who she is. She's not part of Henry's family because Henry's mother doesn't know anything about her going to Juilliard or anything.
2: But I did enjoy her as a foil for Betty, their conversation in the kitchen. And... Um you know, Betty leaving this mausoleum of a house to go down to St. Mark's and talk with these like, you know, kind of beatnik characters and stuff. So I enjoyed the journey. I did not enjoy her uh, rape pillow talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought the, I'll call it the goulash scene was probably the strongest Betty scene we've had in a very long time. Right. Um, you know, she she used to get through certain situations by using her model good looks to charm people. She doesn't feel she can do that anymore. So the inner strength that she's always had, you know, that woman who took a shotgun out to the birds in season right. one, is back for me. So I thought that was a really satisfying uh, moment. I was a little like, "What is this dirty talk?" But then I <laughs> instantly tried to defend her, like, "Well, at least she's trying."
0: I know. I didn't know what to make of it either. I thought, is she just trying to be, like, sexy for Henry? Is that, like, her idea of sexy pillow talk? I don't know. Really the worst <laughs> pillow talk ever. It was like... Why don't you go and rape her? Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Like, what the
2: fuck, Betty? Come on.
0: Yeah. It was a different time.
2: <laughs> but yeah, maybe oh, she just oh, needs to oh, watch so. some porn to get some real ideas. <laughs> Um, the goulash
0: scene was fantastic, um, just great. And Betty just didn't blink. I mean, she was she was right there. She, these yeah, that was cool to see. Her. Yeah, it was also interesting that she left the violin. That was that was a really sad moment where she leaves the violin and just leaves.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think good. she kind of wanted to. I don't. Part of me is like, did she want to save Sandy? Did Sandy represent her innocence? You know, why did she go after her? Because Betty doesn't care about a lot of people. A lot of people she doesn't give a shit about. So why did she care about this girl?
0: Well, this girl seems nicer to her than her own daughter is. So if she can't tame or get any affection from Sally, uh, maybe she felt like she could move to the next person available, which was this girl.
2: Well, and Betty's always bonded better with strangers you know, going back to Glenn in season Glenn. one. Yeah. And especially children, people younger than her, than she does with people that she's close to in her own life. I wonder if Sally had asked her to teach her how to make goulash, if she would do it. She'd probably say, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time. But she'll teach these strangers. To make goulash? hmm
1: <laughs> So by the end of the episode, we have brunette Betty. Um, oh,
0: Elizabeth Taylor.
1: Rebelling against a nasty comment that was made towards her. Henry is just
0: a darling.
1: That's why I was kind of almost encouraged by Betty's bad sex talk, because it was like, well, at least she's not ignoring him, you know, because I don't want them to crumble. I want her to mature and them to figure it out, you know, so. Let's see. And then the other main storyline of this episode was Roger dealing with his therapy and his mother's death.
0: And his shoeshine guy's death.
1: <laughs> that was the real tragedy for him, right? That a man's life could be reduced to a box with a brush in it.
2: I could listen to Roger do monologues all day. it could be like my white noise machine. I love it.
0: Well, I <laughs> I kind of tuned out during his therapy
2: sessions, actually. I was like, I kind of lost the thread. And... He was just talking about that it's just uh, life is a bunch of doors and you... Go through one door and then there's another door and you realize you never get anywhere. It's very nihilist. I thought it was interesting that it's like all of Roger's women's his mother, his daughter, and his two ex-wives were all in this episode. And his ex-lover. Mm-hmm. And his ex-lover. The mother of his son. hmm mm-hmm. Wow. Super interesting. And I love Mona. Anytime Mona's back, it's great.
0: Um, What was that with with Don throwing up all over the funeral?
2: I read something interesting that it was at the same time that Roger was talking about how much his mother or excuse me, that woman was saying how much that Roger's mother loved Roger and that that's the moment that Don threw up. So he's literally throwing up his feelings, you know, because he never had a mother that loved him and that he couldn't handle it. So that's why he puked.
1: I just think this show has a fetish with puking. Like this is not the yeah. first time we have actually seen a stream of puke on the show. So I think the last time was when Roger got tanked in front of all those uh, clients, or it might have been a Freddie Rumsen moment, or what. I mean, we've seen a lot of puking. Seriously,
2: we've seen Don <laughs> puke a couple times. Freddie pissed himself. Didn't I think he, he puked
1: yeah. in an alley too. I yeah. might be just making that up, but I I, I know. That I
2: think I, you have a puke fetish. <laughs>
1: no, I have a puke aversion. This is why. I, I hate it when she show I hate seeing that stream of puke honestly I can't even like look at the screen or I want to puke. So
0: should we talk about Joan or the lack of Joan maybe? I'm sure she'll We we got a lot of goodies this week. I I'm okay with waiting till next week for Joan's yeah, story. Yeah, I'm
1: thinking Joan, Pete, Sally. We've got to catch up with all of them next week.
0: Joan in that purple polyester number she was wearing? Yeah. Uh, OK, like it's not the best style for her um, and her bosoms looked even more enormous than usual. Sure, I agree.
2: Wait. So while you guys were talking, I totally pulled that Teresa was doing some Internet research. So my boss told me today that the woman that plays Mona was is the former spouse of George Clooney. It's the only woman he's ever married. What? And yes. And she's the current wife of the actor that plays Roger Sterling. Right, I knew that. I knew that she was his wife, but I didn't know she was married to George Clooney. It's the only woman he ever married. What a hobby. I thought lady. he was a
1: Yeah, I thought he was a bachelor for life. I did not know he'd ever been married before.
2: Looks like uh Wikipedia says they were married for four years. Ah. I did think it was interesting that her and Jane were wearing the same earrings. I'm sure that Tom and Lorenzo will have something <laughs> to say about that.
0: You know, <laughs> I just thought of how um how uh Roger's having a heart to heart with his daughter, and then she's like, "So did she leave me any money?" And Roger's like, "No, but she left you a jar of what looks like pee.
1: and because of the symbolism over thing on this show, like I was waiting for that jar to break the whole right. time. Was just like waiting for the River Jordan to shatter.
2: well, then we have that <laughs> new character that really boring and annoying Ben Benson oh my God. is it Ben Benson? I, I don't. know <laughs>
1: It was something like that. The only redeeming moment was watching Kenny give him the smackdown, which I was very satisfied by because, yeah, nobody likes a brown noser.
2: I've yeah. just been told his name is Bob Benson. <laughs> You've been told? <laughs> it's just been <laughs>
1: I don't like this. I feel like we've already got interesting people in the office who aren't getting enough screen time. You know, I'd like some more Ginsburg. I'm intrigued by this new older woman that's working there. Yeah. Why do we need this guy to have the most screen time and those people to just be in the background? We've already seen like a young hotshot trying to make his way in a much more interesting way with Pete Campbell, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We don't need this.
2: Well, you should write them a letter.
1: <laughs> do Matthew Weiner. <laughs> okay. Please go back and edit your episodes that haven't aired yet.
2: Okay, so Brittany, I know what you recognize him from. He was in Political Animals. Oh
1: yeah, I love. He was Political also Animals.
2: in for a, for a Good Time Call. I think he's the main girl's uh, boyfriend that dumps her in the beginning.
1: Okay, so I thought this was a really strong premiere overall. A lot stronger than last year for me, and I'm looking forward to seeing where everything else goes, and hopefully spending some time with Joan next week.
2: More Joan.
1: Okay, moving on to Game of Thrones, episode two. A lot more awesome ladies over Yon. Uh, Brienne, can we just say how badass her oh fight god. scene was? Can oh my god, it was so awesome. <laughs> this is almost high kick worthy.
2: It was like, almost a high kick, yeah. It was fist pretty pump? close. Like a fist pump? Yeah, there was definitely an air fist pump and a lot. Like, oh my god, I can't believe she just did that. Like, sometimes she would just like... Like, she wasn't even trying and knock him down, and it was like, God, I love this. I could watch, like, 40 minutes of this fight scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love a good sword fight. So rare you get to see, like, a real sword fight.
1: I agree. It's nice to see it with, like, the weight behind the swords and the effort that the people are really making. You know, I love a Princess Bride-style sword right. fight as well but this is like so much dirtier and everyone's so angry like yep. yeah yeah really the sword so seemed
2: fun. really heavy right two-handed sword holding yeah. and jamie so deserved it he's been so annoying
1: right i'm i'm concerned about what's gonna happen with them being captured but i'm glad that they will be interacting with some new people because i've as much as i've enjoyed the first couple of conversations they've had where he's trying to irritate her it seemed like they had reached the end of that. Like, I, I kind of tuned out a little bit because it's just him being like, I don't know, making some inappropriate sexual comment and her being like, move, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're, we're done, like, we get it, we're done. So I'm, I'm glad that they will be in a new locale in, the next time we see them.
0: They seem to be, they seem to be speeding some storylines along. Um, the By the way, is it tedious to keep talking about the books and comparing them? Because I don't have to.
1: No, I don't mind, so long as it's spoiler-free.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll stay spoiler-free, but they seem to be speeding some storylines along and making them kind of go get to the point faster, which is a, a great service to all of us because book three has a lot of kind of meandering stories that seem to go on forever, and they're making it a lot snappier, which they, they've been doing oh. all long, which is, which is really good. Um, and so the Brienne-Jamie journey, I guess, is moving along pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, I, I do enjoy, though, that people are traveling a lot right now. It, it's interesting. I mean, I actually was really interested in the whole Bran storyline and meeting these two other kids, Um, you know, the kid from Love Actually. Awesome.
1: His permanent identity. <laughs> yeah. The kid from Love Actually. Yeah, I'm intrigued because, you know, Bran is a character I've been interested in, but they haven't done a ton with his sort of melancholy magical abilities and I'm ready to see what he can do and how this is going to be useful to other members of his family or how it's going to fit into the greater narrative. You know, I'm just ready to see more. So I loved seeing these kids arrive. And of course one more badass female with her weapons is welcome.
2: I can't take it. It's so many awesome women with, you know, here, the man doesn't have the weapon. The woman does. It's amazing. She's really great. Mira, Mira and Jojen Reed and
0: they they showed up in the second book actually and when they didn't show up last season I was really upset. I thought how could they cut these characters out because they're really great and they're really important to to his brand story. So, I guess they were saving them for this book. But yeah, they're really cool. They're they're two really cool kids and they have their own like powers and things and and yeah, so they're it's going to get
2: all mystical on everybody. so I'm ready for some more magic. Yeah. I definitely am. And I heard that the writers were kind of keeping that at bay to keep people that weren't interested in fantasy or sci-fi involved in the show, but I say bring it.
0: Well, you can see, like, with the wargs, you know, like, like the mm-hmm. guy who was uh, in the eagle, like looking at the world through the eagle. And you know that a bunch of the star kids are wargs because they keep experiencing the world through their dire wolves, you know? Yeah. So there is there's that warg thing that's going on all the time. And especially for Bran, who can't walk, obviously, but if he sort of like enters his wolf's
2: consciousness, he
0: can run and hunt. And
2: it's really interesting. Yeah. I said last night that Bran is the walt of game of thrones (laughs) he's kind of magical but they're not really doing enough with him in the storyline so
1: well hopefully they don't just write him out like right because i'm a little i'm actually a little concerned about probably i'm probably in the opposite direction though are these kids aging fast enough because right i don't really want any spoilers but i i feel like i've heard that in the books eventually Arya is an adult or something like that Um, nope um, nope she doesn't get that old (laughs) Okay. No, I okay. think you don't say- I won't say
0: anything. But like the books, like over five novels, I think maybe a year passes or
1: something. Oh, really? Okay, I don't know why I thought it was the opposite of that. <laughs> no, okay. it's not. So we might have a wall situation. Time
0: goes very well, slowly. They can,
1: they can change the timeline for me. It's fine. So let me just ask while we're talking about the kids here: Is Rickon ever gonna get to do anything, or is he basically just the Bobby Draper of Game of Thrones? <laughs>
2: Hey, that kid actually had a line in the last premiere. We're on actor number eighteen. He got a line to do
1: it all over again with Baby (laughs) Jean too. (laughs) Great,
2: Baby Jean, the actor nobody wanted, the character nobody wanted.
0: I, I'm not even going to answer that. Just wait and see.
1: Okay, Okay, okay. Um, all right. Next, we move to King's Landing uh some one scene that i absolutely hated and one scene that i absolutely loved in king's landing this time sansa and marjorie Margaery and marjorie's grandmother great stuff i
2: thought Ugh, yes i loved i loved uh lady tyrell as soon as she showed up i was like this is my kind of woman let's just get to the point what kind of awfulness are we dealing with in this marriage
1: yeah, and then Marjorie's reaction was so calm, like, well, okay. Like, she had an envelope that was like, I'm, I'll rip open this envelope that I was, this is my plan for if he was a monster. I had another one for if he was a nice guy. <laughs> like, yeah. She wants
2: to be queen no matter what the cost. I mean, we already saw her with a man that was obviously gay, and she was willing to, you know, do a threesome to at least get him to, you know, impregnate her so she could do her job, as she says, which is to have children. So we know that she's not thinking of her own happiness. She's thinking of power. hmm Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting how like the she and the grandmother are both like, okay, we just need to know where we stand here. So well, then we'll you know take it from there. Um, poor Sansa. She just doesn't know what's gonna get her rewarded killed. and what's gonna get her killed. Yeah.
1: Just... yeah I was very tense watching that like I wanted her to have someone to confide in but I didn't know if these people could be trusted yet you know so it was a, it was a really effective scene and I thought the actress who plays Sansa did a great job so
2: of course you did of course.
1: <laughs> she's no, your she Edith. she is she is my Edith yeah I'm just gonna <laughs> keep defending her
0: so what was the scene you hated
1: uh, Tyrion and Shay uh. in the bedroom arguing about whether he wants to, like, fuck Sansa. Like, Shae's always been a firecracker and kind of defensive about her position with him, but she's never been, like, a caricature of a jealous girlfriend like that. I was just so irritated through that whole conversation. It was really out of place for me. Very out of place.
0: I just can't tell if Shay's for real or not, you know? I, I, I still don't know whether she's, you know really loves him or just wants whatever power she's going to get if she's in for the long haul or I don't know. It's she's very hard to read. Really? Do you think so? Yeah, I think she loves him. I do. She's she's a she's a trained uh prostitute, you know? Mhm. I feel like she's good at saying what people want to hear.
2: I don't know. I have a feeling that she's genuine though. I think she's genuine with Sansa that she cares about protecting her. And I think she cares about Tyrion.
1: See, I guess. I feel maybe there's a lot of characters where it's like, do I trust you? Do I not trust you? But I also feel like she does love him, but I also feel like she's so spontaneous. She could screw things up anyway.
2: I have to say the other scene I loved in King's Landing, well, there's actually two more I loved, but uh, Marjorie and Joffrey with the crossbow was Uh. absolutely brilliant. I mean, just that she took what Sansa said, he's a monster, to play that, you know, he uh, loves pain, you know, and he loves inflicting pain. And so she used that to her advantage in that scene and played him like a fiddle. And it was beautiful.
1: What was the other one that you loved?
2: Oh, uh, then I also loved the scene where Joffrey's, you know, getting his suits made and Cersei's trying to, Cersei's trying to, you know, talk to him about Marjorie, and he just shuts her down. And it's like her position of power is changing rapidly in mm-hmm. King's Landing and I'm starting to feel worried about Cersei. Now what else is going on? I was going to say Arya.
1: On the move, I I had been wondering whether we were going to see the Hound again. Here he is at the most inopportune moment uh to reveal her identity and that was an interesting cliffhanger.
0: Right, because as Arya Stark, she's worth a lot to them for ransom. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let her go now. She's stuck. She just about got away without anyone knowing who she was.
2: Well, I feel like Arya and Jon Snow are the key to everything in Daenerys. I feel like those are the three that if they really get in a position of power, could tip this for everything. You know, tip everything over. So
1: We didn't get much time with Jon Snow on this episode, but we did get a really interesting chat about him from Catelyn. That monologue was amazing to me. Like, just it could have been very melodramatic but i felt like uh michelle Fairley just did a, a great great job and it was so sad to hear mm-hmm. all this weight that she's been putting on herself like i didn't realize that so much of her pain was coming from within
0: it yes was, it was a great scene and you know that's not in the book that that was that was created out of whole cloth for the show and i think to make her seem more um uh what's the word likable maybe
2: are you sure they didn't just want to get a dream catcher in there somehow
0: (laughs) um no I think I think that they decided she needed to be more sympathetic and they gave her that whole speech because that's really not anything she shares she doesn't share anything nice about Jon Snow in the books at all so it's interesting that they felt like they had to put that in there for her also uh, Rob's wife that particular character is far far more interesting and and complex also which is great because it just makes a lot more sense
1: I had not really realized maybe they've talked about it and I just haven't it hadn't quite sunk in for me until this episode what a grave decision that was for him to marry her and how much it has affected the battle plan because They've lost, what, half their men that we, they were supposed to get by aligning with that guy, I guess. surprise.
0: fries, yeah. It, yeah, it was a completely stupid-ass thing to do. It was reckless, dangerous, crazy to just basically say, I know we made this treaty, but I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's, it was an amazingly reckless thing to do. So at least they've created a character of his wife to like make you at least understand maybe a little bit why she would be appealing. Right. But, yeah, completely reckless.
1: Overall, you know, we, we've come to expect slightly choppy episodes because there's so many characters so far flung. I think they do it well. Um, I'm intrigued by some of the developments here, um, but I'm not expecting anything super mind-blowing for a couple more episodes until we get into get into things a bit more for the season.
2: I'm really enjoying these little character vignettes. I, I I don't need a huge amount of plot right now. I feel like we really know the characters now that we're in the third season. And I want to hear more monologues like Catelyn Stark gave. So I'm happy. Well, but more Daenerys, please. <laughs> Daenerys, sure. damn
1: it. God.
2: <laughs> you can call her Daenerys. It's Okay. That's what we call each other when we go to the movies and hang out.
1: But do people have a one fabulous thing to share?
0: Yes, I have a one fabulous thing. Um, so I'm a big fan of Melissa Harris-Perry, who Love has her. a show on MSNBC on the week on the weekends mornings. And she just happened to do a segment on Scandal, which was my one fabulous oh. last week. And she normally does much harder stuff, hard hard news stuff. But every time she she does this kind of stuff, it's hilarious because she had her girlfriends there, and they're all drinking red wine and all dishing the dirt about Scandal <laughs> and about Kerry Washington. It was just completely fantastic, and it just reminded me how much I like Melissa Harris Perry in general. And she's she is. Maybe the only African-American woman who is hosting this kind of show.
1: Yeah, I love Melissa Harris-Perry. And I think what's great is, you know, she is usually talking about really um, serious issues. But she can recognize when something fun like Scandal does have resonance. It is like the only show on network television with an African-American woman as the lead character. And it's not it's not that's not an unimportant thing in our society. So I think it's great that she can take a break from talking about, um, you know, hard hitting new stuff to talk about that once in a while. So my one fabulous thing is I just want to say that um, I have not been able to get into New Girl very much. I watched maybe a third of the first season because I would keep checking in with it and it just wasn't clicking for me. I tried again because I heard about what they were doing with the Nick and Jess Will They or Won't They storyline, and I just have to say it's been really satisfying. The last six episodes or so are just light years beyond what what they were doing for me before. I don't know if it's because of the new writers this season, one of whom is Kay Cannon, who used to write on 30 Rock and who wrote Pitch Perfect.
2: Who we um, love. love.
1: Love Kay Cannon, love Pitch Perfect. But their treatment of this Nick and Jess storyline has been both hilarious and sexy in a way that you don't see as much so, um, sitcoms successfully doing it with, like, real sex appeal. So that is my fabulous thing for this week. If, you, if New Girl wasn't really clicking for you before, just go back and watch The Last Five or Six because it's really um, stepped up its game for me.
2: Well, I've had a slow week watching TV. So I don't have any new TV shows right now. But I was really excited um, about news about another fabulous female screenwriter, Katie Dippold, who wrote The Heat, which comes out in June. And she just got a huge seven-figure deal from Shernon Entertainment to write another um, action comedy that will also be directed by Paul Feig. So this is fantastic news and more awesome female-led action comedies to come. My favorite kind. Cool. So. Yeah, so super exciting.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Damsels in Discussion. If you want to join the conversation and follow along, you can find us on Facebook at Damsels in Discussion. You can find us on Twitter at Damsels Discuss and on Tumblr at DamselsDiscuss.tumblr.com. Is that correct? I always get Tumblr yes. wrong. Yes. That is correct. Where we're posting lots of fun stuff we find through the week and, of course, this podcast. So, we'll see you next week, and uh, have
2: a great week. She asks me why I'm just a hairy guy. I'm hairy noon and night, hair that's a fright. I'm hairy high and low. Don't ask me why, don't know. It's not for lack of bread, like the grateful dead. Darling.
1: Gimme head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, steaming, flaxen, waxen. Gimme down the
2: fair hair, shoulder length, or longer.